Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. Let me give you a little background of who I am. So I'm not from Arkansas. I'm from Modesto, California. Anybody know about Modesto, California? Perfect. If you're going to visit California, don't go to Modesto, all right? Like, go somewhere else. Um, but I grew up with a huge family. I have six sisters, no brothers. We had um, a ton of uncles, a ton of aunts, which means a ton of cousins. And so literally everything we did was like 30 people deep, all right? And here's the cool thing about growing up in a massive family. Um, that's also a little bit crazy, right? Anybody else have a little bit of a crazy family, right? Um, is you have the ability, if you catch on, to watch and learn from other people's mistakes, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can avoid all kinds of pain, all kinds of hurt, all kinds of chaos if you just watch other people make mistakes and learn the lessons through them. For example, I watched my older sister lie to mom, and that equaled a giant spanking, right? In my mind, I'm going, hmm, I can learn this lesson so that I avoid a giant spanking later, amen? Right? How many of you were the younger sibling watching older siblings make a mistake? Anybody? Am I alone? How many of you were the older sibling making the mistakes? Just be honest, all right? Um, and so he, here's the deal. Today we're going to be in 2 Kings, um, and we're going to be focusing in on chapter 15, where we see this guy, his name is King Asa. And, and in the beginning of chapter 15, um, it shows us King Asa's father um, and, and kind of um, his lifestyle, King Abijam. And, and his father was known pretty much as an evil king. King Abijam was this evil king because his father was an evil king. In other words, they knew who God was. They knew the covenant, right, that David's been talking about as we've been walking through this series where, where it, God said, if you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. I'll protect you um, as long as you stay devoted to me. Well, King Asa's father and grandfather did the complete opposite. It's not on the screen, but in verse three, it says that Abijam, Asa's father, walked in all the sins of his fathers before him. And, can, and, and was not wholeheartedly devoted to God. And so King Asa um, ha- had this option. He, he has seen two kings go back to back, not being devoted to God, walking in the sins and, and the passions that, uh, of the culture and of their own desires. And he saw what happened where that led to chaos in the kingdom, that led to uh, um, wars and, and pain and hurt for everybody. He witnessed all of these things, and so as he steps in as a young man to now become the king, he has the option, I can either follow in the uh, the footsteps of my family, or I can break the cycle and be devoted to the Lord. And and what we're going to see today, and my hope for us today, is that as we look at King Asa, who starts off really well in this, fell in one key thing in his life. And and I believe that one key thing is a dangerous trap that if we're not careful as believers, we can easily fall into. And so my hope is that we watch King Asa and learn from his mistake so that we don't fall into that same trap and end up getting spanked for it later. Amen? So let's pray. We're going to jump into 2 Kings 
And I'm really excited to, to, to get into the word with y'all. By the way, a little disclaimer, um, this hurt me all week long. <laughs> and so I'm excited to hurt with you, all right? Um, or hopefully have some people hurt with me, all right? So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I pray that you help us stay focused um, in this next um, 30 minutes or so, God, on your word. I pray that you would soften our hearts to hear um, and see what you're calling us to do as individuals, whether that be repent from a sin, whether that um, take um, um, this inventory of our life and, and see what it is that we're being truly devoted to. God, I pray that for the believers, my brothers and sisters in the room, that this would be an encouraging and challenging message as you've been challenging and encouraging me with. But God, I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you, that today they would see that they desperately need you, God. And Lord, that you would speak to them in such a way that they know you're real and that you love them. Be with me, God. Use me as your microphone. Into your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's, let's take a look um, at King Asa. As soon as he becomes king, this is what it says, that in the 20th year, King Israel's king, I'm gonna look here because I don't wanna show y'all my back of my head. Um, Asa became the king of Judah and he reigned for 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Micah, daughter of Absalom. Now verse 11 says, Asa did what was right in the Lord's sight as his ancestor David done. He banished the male cult prostitutes from the land and removed all of the idols that his fathers had made. He also removed his grandmother, which is pretty aggressive, Micah from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. It's a chopped down her obscene image and burned it in the Kinron Valley. The high places were not taken away, but Asa was wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his entire life. Now here's what's really cool um, about King Asa is that we see his story here in 1 in, in Kings, but we also see it kind of retold in 2 Chronicles. And so I wanna show you 2 um, Chronicles real quick if you put the next um, slide up. Um, it says in 2 Chronicles 4, Asa did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord. He removed the pagan altars. He shattered the sacred pillars, chopped down their poles. He told the people of Judah to seek the Lord God of their ancestors and to carry out the instructions and commands. He removed the high places and shrines from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom experienced peace under him. Because the land experienced peace, he built fortified cities in Judah. No one made war with him in those days because the Lord gave him rest. He said to the people of Judah, let's build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, with doors and bars. The land is still ours because we sought the Lord our God. We sought him and he gave us rest on every side. And so here, here's what we see happening. The two kings before Asa, uh, the Bible tells us that when they stepped into the role as king, they did and trusted in themselves, right? They, they sought their own will. They focused on their own wisdom. They made decisions based on feelings and what they thought was correct, and they did not depend on God. Matter of fact, they characterized those two kings as not being devoted to God. They characterize them as they walked in the same sins over and over and over again. And, and the outcome of that for the kingdom and for the people there was that their sins brought chaos, not just to their own life and to their own family, but to the entire kingdom, where their sin brought on wars and, and, and chaos and pain, and, and King Asa saw those things. And so when what happens, like, um, it's this never-ending cycle when we decide to follow our own desire versus seeking out God's desire for our life. And, and I don't know about you, but I have seen this in myself many times over. 
where, where I get on fire for the Lord. I, I, I want to be in the word. I want to be in prayer. I want to worship. I want to do all these things. I want to tell people about my faith in God and what he's done in my life. But then eventually I start walking in my own power and that leads to me not being focused on seeking God and his wisdom, not seeking God and his strength, but walking in my own. And that eventually leads to me not being focused on the mission, not being focused on being devoted, but being focused on Donnie De La Cruz. When, when we follow the same sin pattern over and over, it's like we, we get on fire for God and then we go right back down. We, we get devoted to, to the scripture and then, man, we haven't touched our Bible in a week and a half. We're, we're focused on prayer and all of a sudden the only thing we're praying for is for that Big Mac to be a nourishment to our bodies and my bodies to your service, right? But we're focused on, God, what is it that you want from me in my life to, God, here's what I'm doing. Will you just bless that? These two kings before Asa, man, that's how they, they lived and, and it brought chaos and pain and struggle. And what we see King Asa do, as soon as he steps in, he fully depends on God. He removes all the, the sin and the idols that they had brought into this kingdom, into this culture, even got of extreme enough to kick out his own grandmother. You know what I'm saying? Like he came in in this like wrecked shop. We're not about this sin. We're not about these idols. We are about the Lord. We're gonna repent from this sin. We're gonna depend on God and he challenged all of them go seek the Lord and, and the outcome of that was literal revival in the kingdom and literal revival in the kingdom where it says that peace was all over the land no one made war there was no chaos why man they were wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord they were wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord Listen, I don't know where you are today. I don't know why you came in to worship with us. I'm glad that you did though. But maybe you're in here this morning and maybe you're experiencing what could be described as chaos in your personal life, maybe mentally. Maybe there's a situation going on at work that you just don't know how to handle. I don't know where you are this morning, but maybe you might be feeling like you're stuck in this never-ending cycle of sin where you've, you've told God, I'm devoted to you and I'm never gonna do this again, and then you get right back to it. I, I don't know where you are this morning, but maybe it's been a long time that, that, that you've been following God, and, but your passion at this moment for, for sharing the gospel and your passion for the scriptures and your passion for prayer is just not where you want it to be. If you want to experience revival in your personal life, <clears throat> if, if you want to experience revival in your marriage, in your family, if we're gonna experience revival in the second fam here in Greenbrier, we have to return to being devoted to the Lord. We have to return to being focused on fighting our sin and taking that seriously. We have to be focused on being on mission and moving the gospel forward because if we don't do those things, we're gonna turn to ourselves very quickly. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Hey, I like some feedback. If you're with me, say I'm right here. 
perfect. Thank you for telling me that you're right here. Um, here, here's my big idea for the day. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. True repentance and full dependency leads us to being wholeheartedly devoted to God. A, a true repentance and full dependency leads to a wholehearted devotion to God. And so what does true repentance mean and what does that look like? We know if you grew up in the church, if you grew up in Arkansas, I'm sure you've heard the word repent. All that literally means is that you are turning away from something that you used to pursue and now you're pursuing something else. Where, where for me, that was I was pursuing Donnie Delacruz's um, building my own kingdom and my own name too. I'm turning away from that and now I'm pursuing Jesus and pursuing ways to make him known to everyone around me that I'm no longer walking dead in my sins. I'm now pursuing Jesus in my new life and new identity in him. That's what repentance means. And so this true repentance, King Asa steps in and he sees that we see him just removing everything. He literally repents for his father's sins, his grandfather's sins, the culture's sins. He just starts wrecking shop on all of it. And if we're going to be men and women that God created us to be, if you're gonna be the husband that God created you to be, if you're gonna be the wife that God created you to be, if you're gonna be the athlete, the scholar, the doctor, the, the, the good neighbor that God wants you to be, you have to start that out by living in daily repentance. Repentance isn't a one-time thing and you're done. Repentance starts your relationship with Jesus, but then it also keeps you focused on pursuing and becoming more and more like Jesus. That is a daily thing. I think a lot of times we fall into the trap of believing, I repented when I was um, six years old and now I'm good. Man, that is a lie from the pits of hell. Repentance is what keeps our heart's posture bowed at the cross of Jesus. If you're with me, say I'm with you. King Asa says, man, we're removing everything in this kingdom that caused us to stumble in sin. We're removing every bit of it. And that might be extreme, right? Some of you are looking at me like, dude, if I removed some of the idols in my life, I, I would lose a lot of things. And I understand that. Um, he kicked his own grandmother out of the kingdom, right? Uh, now, I'm not telling you to kick your grandma out of the kingdom, all right? Some of you are looking at me nervous. I love my grandma, all right? Um, but Jesus said something, I think, a little bit more extreme um, than kicking your grandma out of the house, right? Jesus said in Matthew 5 that if your eye causes you to stumble, you pluck that thing out. That if your right hand causes you to stumble, you cut that mug off because it's better for you to limp into heaven blind than to lose your soul to things that do not matter. That's the Donnie De La Cruz translation. <laughs> but Jesus said it's better for you to take your sin as serious as it is rather than let your sin take you to where you do not want to go. In other words, today, true repentance isn't just done by words where we say, God, I'm sorry that I did this. True repentance is done by word. We're confessing I messed up. God, this is what I'm going to do about it. Through your strength, Jesus, I'm going to remove this very thing that is causing me to stumble. Now, how do you do that? Just like King Asa, you have to identify the idols in your life that you have set where they don't need to be. And I don't know what that idol is for you. The idol could be pride. That, that idol could be lust. That idol could be um, uh, alcohol or some kind of addiction. That idol can be a thing like a, like a truck. 
The idol can be something good is even as your kids. You can make your kids an idol. I, I don't know what that idol or your sin struggle is. But what we see in King Asa and what we hear from Jesus is that if you want to be the man and woman that's devoted wholeheartedly, it starts by repenting of those things, that, that sin, those idols that we allow to be in our life. The hardest thing to do, y'all listen to me, is for us to identify and remove those sins. Some of us might not have a problem identifying the idol, right? But it is going to be difficult to remove it from our life. But I promise you, if you want to experience true peace between you and God, if you want peace in your home, in your marriage, you want to experience revival, it starts by removing, repenting and removing the things that are causing you to stumble. You have to take the time to pause. And like King David said, God, search within me, is there something that you're not pleased with? Reveal that to me so that I can remove it. Family, listen, it is so much better to live in daily repentance than to allow sin to bring you back into that cycle of chaos. I promise you. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Now here, here's the deal, and here's like the dangerous part uh, of Christianity, right? Where the longer that we walk with the Lord, we get good at some of these things, right? King Asa, um, as he's here, he, he's doing good. He's wholeheartedly devoted. He's repenting. He's removing idols. He's telling everyone, seek the Lord, right? But as he grows older and walks more and more with God, he falls into the same trap that a lot of us can fall into. And how I wanna describe this trap is where we, we walk with Jesus and we get into this, this good rhythm where we're going to church on Sunday, we're going to small group, we're in our Bibles daily, we're praying and, and, and we're doing all the Christian things, but all of a sudden we start going through life depending less on God and his power and his strength and his guidance through the Holy Spirit and then we start depending more on ourselves, our own wisdom, our own talents, our own abilities to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and keep going forward, our own ability to figure things out and make things happen. And when we do that, when we depend less on God and more on ourselves, it leads us right back to the beginning where those two other kings just followed in the footsteps of their fathers and falling into sin. Let me show you what I mean by that. Um, look at verse 16 and 19 in First Kings. Um, it says this, uh, the next slide. Perfect. It says that there was a war kind of broke out between King Asa and King Basha and Israel throughout their reigns. King, um, Israel's King Basha went to war against Judah. He built Ramah in order to keep anyone from leaving or coming into King Asa of Judah. So let me pause for a second. Um, there's always been this beef between these two guys and, and King Basha is all of a sudden making moves to close in Asa and his kingdom so no one can come in and help and no one can leave. And he's making these plans to kind of 
take over um, King Asa. And so King Asa does what any good king would do, and he starts making a plan. So Asa withdrew all the silver and gold that remained in the treasury of the Lord's temple and the treasuries of the royal palace and gave it to his servants. Then King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Temeran, son of Hezron, king of Amram, who lived in Damascus, saying, there is a treaty between me and you, between my father and your father. Look, I have sent you a gift of silver and gold. Go and break your treaty with King Basha of Israel so that he will withdraw from me. So here's, here's what you do. All right, here, here's, here's his plan. Um, here's my enemy, okay? And I have a treaty with this guy, but this guy also has a treaty with my enemy. So he gets all the money from the treasury. He goes and he bribes this king and says, hey, break your treaty with him. Be on my side and we'll take over um, his whole kingdom. We'll be ready for the war. And as you first read that, right, me and, and Jason, our student minister, he's preaching in, in Conway today. Uh, we, we went to the Zateo downtown Conway and we were like kind of reading over this. And both of us did something that I think is hilarious. We read this and we're like, man, King Asa's a boss, right? Like, this guy's a boss. Like, he's a good king. He, he loves God. He's devoted. He's repenting. He's, he's like wrecking shop, kicking grandma out, right? He can make plans on the fly. Like, this is a good king, right? But then as you read Second Chronicles and the retelling of this moment, this is the trap that I'm talking about, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Go ahead and go to the next slide. It says this, um, um, Hanani, he's a, um, a seer, kind of like a prophet. He comes to him after this plan and says, because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord your God, the army of the king Aram has escaped from you. Were not the Cushites and Libyans in the vast army with many chariots and horsemen? When you depended on the Lord, he handed them over to you. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. You have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. Here's this trap that is set before us as believers. That we, we come to faith in God, we repent, we surrender, and then we fully depend on him for everything. Y'all remember when you first got saved, how literally, uh, I remember when I was young, I got saved. Everything I did, I, I was taking to the Lord. God, help me in school. Help me um, reach my friends. Help me not, um, you know, I grew up hood and kind of crazy. Help me not be hood and crazy. <laughs> like, and God, help me. Like, everything was dependent on God moving in my life. Y'all remember those days, right? And it's like the more that we grow and, and the further along we walk with God, if we fall into this trap, we stop depending on the strength of the Lord. Literally, um, Hannah's telling him, man, God has already protected you. He's already proven that he will guide you. He will, he will bless you. He will give you strength. He will give you power. Why have you done something foolish and not depend on him? Even in something that seems to be good, his heart, King Asa's heart, was not, God, how do I get through this situation? King Asa's heart was, I know what I'm doing. I, I got this. I, I know how to win this war. And when we do those kind of things, we become our own little God. And like, I, I love you guys, right? I'm, I'm, I hope to meet most of you 
at the end of church. Um, I'm going to say something because I probably won't get to preach here for a long time, so that's fine. If you are your own God, you make a crappy God. You do. Like, we are not good enough. We're not wise enough. We're not talented enough. We, we don't have enough influence. We don't have enough power, enough money, enough resources to be a good God for ourselves. No matter what it looks like, this looked like a good move. It was dependent on himself, and it looked where it got him. It got him into more chaos. You will have wars from now on. You will have wars from now on. Even though he made a plan and he executed it well, it was all in his own doing when God has already provided before. Um, you guys probably know this. Go ahead and go to the next slide. You probably know this or have it on a T-shirt or a coffee mug, but Proverbs 3, I normally don't use the New Living Translation, but I like how it, it, it said this um, proverb. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I love how it says this right here. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Don't, don't depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on your resources. Don't depend on your influence, who you know, what you know. Don't depend on those things. Even though those things are awesome and a blessing from the Lord that God wants to use through him to impact other people and to bring about a gospel renewal around you, but those things are the blessing. You find your strength and wisdom and guidance through the blessing giver, not through yourself. King Asa, his whole life devoted to the Lord until this moment. And it brought back into the chaos for the rest of the kingdom. Guys, when we live in our own power, we live in our own strength, when we live in our own wisdom, depending on ourselves, not the Lord, it might go well for a little while. You might be able to like get through life. You might be able to get through that hard situation, but eventually it will lead you back into that same cycle. It will eventually bring you back to that same cycle. And that is the whole point of the gospel. You can't do it alone. You can't make it through life alone. You can't even save yourself. The Bible says that our righteousness, my, like Donnie Delacruz, if I took away all the bad that I've done, all the bad parts of me, and I, and I brought the good, like the best parts of me, the Bible says that the best part of me outside of Jesus looks like filthy rags compared to the righteousness and goodness of God. So the gospel is we need God. The gospel is if I don't repent and surrender and depend on Jesus, I'm not making it in this world and I'm not making it to heaven. The gospel is you have to surrender and depend on Jesus Christ as Lord, King, the boss of your life. Where I no longer am going to do my own will, but I'm seeking his will for my life. I'm not depending on, on my own wisdom, I'm depending on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That I'm not walking in the pride of Donnie, but I'm walking in the grace of Jesus. The gospel is you need a savior. And what Jesus did on the cross was not just die for your sins, he did that 100%. 
but he died so that you can understand and know and experience true revival and peace in your life. That only comes through him. Today, maybe you, I don't know, um, there's, there's this other dangerous side of, of Christianity in church, and, and I'll end with this. Um, Bailey, you can come on up. Um, there, there is this other dangerous side of, of Christianity in churches where we play this kind of game where we do all the church stuff, right? We, we come, we worship, we, we say amen, we read the scripture, we, we go home, we do small group, we do those things, but in my heart, I'm still the boss of my life. And in Christianity, in the gospel, that can't coexist. If Jesus isn't the king and the boss of your life, man, you don't know Jesus. And so maybe today you, you, you've like, you're kind of realizing, I've been trying to earn my way. I've been trying to be a good guy and a good girl and, and, and do all the good things to make God pleased with me. And I'm here to tell you, that's not what makes salvation happen. Your church attendance is awesome. That's not what saves you. You, you having a good job and being a provider, that's awesome. And God calls us to do that, but that's not what saves you. You not doing certain sins is awesome, but that's not what saves you. The only thing that can save you from your sins is a full, surrendered, dependent relationship on Jesus Christ. And if you're playing the church game where you're trying to do Christianity without Christ being the Lord and boss of your life, you are playing a dangerous game. True repentance is saying, I am letting go of all of it. All of my influence, all of my power, all of my strength, all of the things I thought I was doing good to earn God's love, all the sin and idols that I was chasing, I'm letting go of all of it. Jesus, I just want you. Maybe you're in here this morning and, and that game you've been playing, you're tired of. Because y'all, I know what that game feels like. That, that kind of game is literally that cycle I'm talking about. Where it's just chaos and you're worn out. No peace. You're just struggling to make it through. Why? Because you are being your own God. And Jesus, the God of the universe, is offering to you revival, a fresh start, new identity, life, salvation, hope, faith, peace in your mind, peace within your family, peace, peace between you and God. But the only way to accept that offer is to repent and surrender. So I'm gonna challenge you, if you are in here today, regardless if you've been playing this church game or if you're like, man, I, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I'm in right standing. I, this peace and this, this life and this joy that you're talking about, I don't have that, but I want it. Now I'm gonna challenge you today, right now, surrender your life to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. 
To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.